0: Hello, and thank you for joining Steph and I today for our first episode of Season 5. Today is a special day as we begin our new partnership with the PA Education Association. And in honor of that, we felt it would be an ideal time to invite Dr. Sarah Fletcher to share her thoughts about this new transition, and to share some of the news coming out of the only national educational representative for the more than 300 accredited programs in the United States. Dr. Fletcher has been an educator for over 20 years, having taught both primary and secondary levels as a public school administrator. In 2022, she became the chief executive officer for PAEA after spending several years in various leadership roles within the organization. She holds a master's degree in school administration and a PhD in educational leadership. As always, you can learn more about our guests on our website at papathpodcast.com. We would also like to extend a special thank you to our episode sponsor, Sentinel U. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. Steph and I are very excited to begin this partnership with PAEA. Maybe we'll start with the typical question we give our guests, which is share your path to becoming involved in the PA profession.
1: Yes. Well, thank you both for having me. I'm really excited about our new partnership. I guess I would describe my path as non-traditional, though I don't know what traditional would look like, but I will just say I started in education a little over 20 years ago, which seems hard to believe, as a public school teacher. I taught language arts and science, and from there moved into school administration. Again, this is all in public education. But during that time, I really wanted to branch out and pursue opportunities at the university level. And so I was fortunate enough to be hired at Wake Forest School of Medicine and work in the medical education department. And in doing so, I actually was increasingly able to work with the PA program. And working with the PA program was an absolute delight. I really appreciated the educational model and the students were just so mature and so focused. And so when the opportunity presented itself to come to PAEA, I thought it was just an absolute dream. And so never knew about the nonprofit association world until really getting into it with PAEA and have loved it ever since.
0: What do you find to be the most interesting change for you from moving in, you know, from the university setting to the nonprofit association world?
1: I think the biggest change for me was just really learning the nonprofit association world. It's uh, It was completely foreign to me. I actually felt disoriented coming into it simply because at the university level, there were so many structures in place and just, you know, it really felt like familiar in terms of it being an educational institution, much like coming out of public education. There's just processes and things in place that don't change that much. At the association level, however, really there's an opportunity for innovation and creativity in a way I just didn't find in the more structured environment in the um, universities. And so I think just really the freedom here to innovate and support member programs.
0: I I mean, to me, Sarah, I think about when Steph and I were on the board, there were nine PAEA employees and we had a budget of about a million dollars back then. And so, you know, as you describe this, I think you have this nuance of many hats in an association. All the staff wear many hats to keep the organization moving and innovating forward. And then as more programs become members and the profession has grown and the applicant pool has grown, you've had more opportunities with the budget to expand your staff. And yeah, I can't even imagine how that kind of controlled chaos is as you climb that ladder.
1: I really like the controlled chaos piece, Kevin. I will say we are um, inching our way towards 50 employees. We're not quite there yet, but we will literally, I think, hit 50 employees by the end of the year, which is just amazing. When I came on in 2014, I want to say we were less than 20. And so this is just um, astronomical changes for us. But you're exactly right. That is a major difference from being at the university level where your job is pretty well defined and you do a specific job. At the association level, it's one of the most exciting things. We all wear a variety of hats every day. No two days look the same, which is exciting for some, not for everybody, but it's exciting for me. And really, as you said, with the expansions or the changes in PA education, expansion number of programs, it gives us an opportunity to branch out in new and exciting ways that we hadn't even thought about before.
2: So, Sarah, you know, the PAEA provides a tremendous amount of services to its member programs. Maybe you could talk a little bit about PAEA membership and really how PAEA supports programs with assessments and other products and services, and what's kind of changing in in the area of what PAEA is doing?
1: Yeah, so at this point, we have over 300 member programs, which makes up about 4,000 or so individuals in our database. And so our biggest opportunity as an organization is, as you said, to provide the support through our resources, assessment, of course, CASPA, as everybody's familiar with, but also workshops, the forum, webinars, and increasingly, Putting out tools and resources through our digital learning hub, be that toolkits or informational one pagers. And right now, I'm really excited because assessment, for example, which are in rotation, of course, in curriculum exam and PACRAT exam, which programs have known for many years, are getting ready to be part of a new platform. So we'll be launching the new assessment platform known as the Assessment Center. In about mid-August, and I'm excited because we really have taken the opportunity to build it into our member community with the idea of the member community serving as a one-stop shop, if you will. So when members log in, right at their fingertips, they can access the Journal of PA Education, they can access the digital hub, but they'll be able to also access the assessment center and do everything they need to right there inside that one platform.
0: I was going to say, one of the things that I love about the assessment focus from PAEA is as a program director, it has allowed me to have a consistency in excellence in the test questions that students are exposed to, and also provides our faculty with more time to focus on other areas of the curriculum and student support. So I think it's been such a successful launch from the day that that started with all the end of rotation exams and PAC right to now. So congratulations.
1: Thank you, Kevin. Uh, I just want to put a plug in to say it, it would not be possible without the tremendous work from our editor-in-chief, Kim Kavanaugh, as well as our staff, Olivia Ziegler, and the team that she's built around assessments. And we keep growing our team. We've now added two psychometricians to the team. So it keeps growing by leaps and bounds. And I'll just mention with the new platform, we uh, have the opportunity to expand our reach in terms of assessments, but even branch out into some different types of assessments we've never pursued before. So we're really excited.
2: Yeah, I will second what Kevin said, you know, as a program director, just the quality of exams and the ability to kind of, you know, have that national benchmarking and and the ability to, to really compare our students' performance to that of students from other programs across the country has been really, really helpful. and. You know, I I don't know about Kevin, but I know that there are probably very few programs that are sitting around with the ability to pay psychometricians to contribute to our exam development. So, you know, so I I think that there are just resources available for exam development and exam quality that you just can't do at the program level.
1: I hope so. Our goal is to really save programs time, save faculty time, and keep that level of rigor and quality as high as possible. So it's great to hear from both of you that that's actually happening.
0: And, And at the same time, PAEA has had such a rich tradition Of supporting educators and helping educators gain new competence and competence in the transition from clinical practice to teaching. So, would you like to share just a little bit about that area and all the different faculty development opportunities that PAEA is involved in?
1: Absolutely. And our data shows still overwhelmingly folks come from the clinic to the classroom with little or no prior teaching experience, precepting being the exception. So we have really started to focus heavily on faculty development over the last couple of years. Again, I mentioned a couple of times now, but I'll say it again, in terms of our digital learning hub, because that's an opportunity for faculty to contribute their scholarship, as well as what they've learned into an area where other faculty can take advantage of it. But in addition to that, we currently, as I mentioned before, have our workshops and our forum. What we have started to branch out, thanks to COVID, it was part of the roadmap, though not as soon as it happened. but to started to branch out to have more virtual opportunities for faculty development. So, for example, while our faculty, we love for all of them to be able to come in person to the Faculty Skills 101 workshop and the Clinical Coordinators 101 workshop, we now offer a jump start workshop online so that new faculty can jump right in and they don't have to wait for an in-person opportunity in case one just happened and they missed it or, again, if funding is tight, et cetera. We also had started to offer accelerator workshops. So think of those as more of a 201 or at least a building on the initial knowledge and skills. In addition to that, we've recently hired a Chief Equity Diversity Inclusion Officer, and we are putting a lot more resources into helping programs achieve the diversity standard as well as just make the programs most safe and inclusive place possible. So focusing a lot on belonging learner-centeredness. We're gonna to continue to expand our offerings in terms of in-person workshops. We're looking at opportunities to begin offering those across the country. And more frequently than what we've typically been able to do, which has been to offer those three times a year. So we're looking at being able to do those on a more ongoing and rolling basis. And we're leveraging technology to provide what I call learning opportunities. Really, those are webinars, town halls, just virtual roundtables, et cetera, to try to you know bring faculty together for some group problem solving and some think-take type of activities so that, again, faculty can share their knowledge with each other and really help each other develop.
2: Yeah, I think if program directors have not had the opportunity to really dive deep into the programs and services available from PAEA, it's worth really doing a deep dive into the digital learning hub to really see what services might be available for them and their faculty members, and and even their students as well. Sarah, you mentioned the diversity, equity, and inclusion officer, and you know we know I I know and Kevin knows from even back as far as our terms as president that PAEA has really been dedicated to diversifying our profession for many, many years. And it's been encouraging for me to see the work that you all have continued to do and continue to thread themes of diversity, equity, inclusion throughout all of the work that you do. I think we know that not long ago, there was a Supreme Court decision that has affected college admissions and and certainly PA program admissions. I'm sure PAEA to some extent, saw a decision coming and were kind of prepared for what that decision might look like and how you might respond to that. We talked talk a little bit about EAEA's response to that Supreme Court decision and how we move forward and how you all might support programs going forward in that?
1: Absolutely. Well, as you mentioned, thanks to the the great work of our GR team and our um, Government Relations Steering Committee, we were anticipating this decision for a long time. I think most people probably were, but we put together internally an affirmative action working group that uh, was comprised of leaders from across the organization, as well as our outside general legal counsel to begin really developing our response months in advance. And I think that actually paid off a lot because when the decision came, we were able to quickly put messaging out to members to say, we're here to help. You know, we want to continue to be that go-to source for programs. And so we put together a resources page that is available on our website in fact, it's front and center still today. It's the Affirmative Action Resources page. And on that site, programs can find everything from background on the decision as well as the recap of the actual decision. So the language is there in case they want to review it firsthand and share it with anyone in their program. But they can also find ways that both PAEA as well as our colleagues at the AAMC are dealing with the decision. And we know that it's going to have implications not just for admissions, but really for everything from our pre-PA work and uh, what we talk to applicants about, as well as the students who are in the programs at this time. While it's focused on admissions and race in admissions, we know that the implications are much broader, and we really want to encourage programs to continue to focus their efforts on, again, equity, inclusiveness, and diversity, while also, of course, making sure that legally we follow you know the decision that's been
2: made. Yeah, I think all programs are are certainly trying to figure out exactly what the implications are for their admissions processes. And I I have to compliment PAEA because you know I was uh, I was actually off the day that that decision came in, and I was I was vacationing, and you know I heard kind of through the news through Twitter or somewhere I found that this information had come in, I thought, oh gosh, you know, what's this going to mean? I, I really hope PAEA is going to step forward and have some resources. And I, I literally picked up my phone and I opened my email and there was the email from PAEA responding to it. So, I mean, it was like it came to my mind and there it was in my email. So, so you guys really were timely in the response to that. And and I can say that I've appreciated having support in that way as we figure out how we're going to implement this in our individual admissions processes.
1: Thank you for the feedback, and I'm glad to hear that. That's exactly what we strive to do. I'll also mention that we know that this is going to be an evolving issue that's going to require ongoing work. So we are putting together a webinar that we will launch early August. I'm hesitant to give a date at this moment simply because it is still in production. But that webinar will focus on helping programs really understand the decision and what it means in terms of their applicants and admissions processes. So stay tuned for that.
0: I think one of the challenges for some folks in the country is understanding how important it is that we have the opportunity to see ourselves reflected in the professionals that take care of us and part of that also is it's not just about race but it's also about community and having representation from the different communities so that we can have people that truly understand the walk that we go through in the communities that we live so I'm I'm really excited to see PAEA take leadership on this and Excited to see all four orgs stand up so strongly against this topic. Obviously, the goal line has been moved, but we're smart people. We can figure out how to get across the goal line and continue to improve, reflecting the needs of communities that we serve. Absolutely. Let's take a quick minute for a word from our episode sponsor, Sentinel-U.
2: Sentinel-U is a leading provider of healthcare simulations and learning innovations. Their portfolio of virtual simulations and clinical experiences are the best practice for learners to gain clinical judgment and critical thinking skills. Designed for PA students, their advanced practice series exposes learners to patient encounters in 11 areas, from typical adult and pediatric to cardiology and oncology, all mapped to competencies for the PA profession. Check out the Global Business 2022 EdTech Company of the Year at sentinelu.com.
0: let's switch gears a little bit so another hot topic that's been going behind the scenes that we've been talking about on the podcast actually is this conversation about the doctoral degree and i know paea held a doctoral summit last spring in april that steph and i were lucky to go to and hear from a lot of really great people and their insights and understanding some of the pros and cons of moving in that way we also know the board has been working on this for quite a while as well as the staff Can you tell our audience uh, kind of where we're at on that and what are the upcoming issues that'll be discussed or looked at in the coming months and years on that topic?
1: Yes, for sure. So as you mentioned, the summit was a major input as far as helping us as an organization think about our position policy, which we will have a position policy ready to go for this year's business meeting. And I'll put a plug in and say the business meeting will again be virtual as we are trying to be as inclusive as possible. We know not everybody can attend our forum in person. So it will be virtual October the 3rd. But that position policy right now is still in development. And I say that because we have a lot more inputs together. We really appreciate our members who took the time to fill out the survey we uh, sent out a couple months ago. We got a lot of great insights, a great response rate from that. And we're using that data right now to, again, really focus on that position policy as an organization It's not totally clear yet. So it's still coming into focus because we want to make sure we get as much stakeholder input as possible. And so that's what we're working on right now is really formulating that position policy, analyzing the data to make sure that we have a policy that represents what the membership wants. And then ultimately we'll be asking members to vote on a position policy during the business meeting in October.
0: So essentially the membership will have a voice. They'll be able to really consider all the aspects that the board has produced and make a decision moving forward. And then I'm confident PAEA will make sure that that is communicated to the national audience pretty quickly.
1: For sure. In fact, just to underscore, it is a membership decision. I mean, this decision really is going to be made by the membership, as all of our position policies are. And so I really encourage programs to start working together now to think about that meeting, of course. And PAEA will do our part to communicate and keep people informed and educated on not only the doctoral position policy, but all of them as well. So they're ready for that vote in October, and it will be, again, a membership decision. And then PAEA will continue to follow this issue because we know regardless of whatever the decision ultimately is that the membership makes, we have a lot more work to do.
2: Sarah, one of the services under the umbrella of PAEA is CASPA, which is the Centralized Application Service for PAs. Talk a little bit about CASPA. Uh, You know, CASPA, how many years has CASPA been around now? It's widely utilized by PA programs for their admissions processes. Um, can you speak a little bit about what we're seeing as far as trends in applicants to the profession, things that may be changing in CASPA in the future? Absolutely. Well, CASPA far predates me coming on board to PAEA.
1: I started in 2014 and it was around long before that. Programs may not know this, but they currently have the ability to hide the race and ethnicity of their applicants. And so if, if programs need help walking through that, we do have admissions staff who are happy to help them do so at this point. But the other enhancements we're going to see are focuses on greater analytics tools so that programs can really use the information to make admissions decisions as they move forward. I think we're also going to see some system enhancements just to make the platform easier for both applicants and programs to use as we move forward.
0: That's exciting. I think that the opportunity to get a little bit better sense of the data behind our applicant pool each year. And to see if there's any you know, shifts or changes or trends that we need to be thinking about would be a really valuable insight for program leadership. So I'm really glad to hear that. I think back to, I served on the CASPA committee as a board member. We used to have liaisons from the board early in my tenure at PAEA. And the people up at Liaison International do such great work, not only for our profession, but for so many other health professions. And it's been quite an interesting ride to watch that evolve.
1: Absolutely. And I should also mention, uh, you talked about serving on the CASPA committee uh, years ago. We actually have put together uh, recently a CAS advisory group, a volunteer group that's helping us really think about holistic admissions and also just the way we interface with applicants and health professions advisors. So we continue to leverage our volunteers' talent and expertise to help us enhance the system and really educate on the best practices and processes and in, in admissions.
0: Fantastic. So that's the applicant side. On the student side, PAEA has a PAEA student fellowship. Can you talk a little bit about that? And how can we advise our students to be competitive applicants for that really unique opportunity?
1: For sure. So we actually have two fellowships, the Future Educator and the Student Health Policy Fellowships. And all the information about these fellowships can be found on our website. Each of them does have a specific application process. So on the health policy side, there's a personal statement as well as a policy analysis. The good news is if people are interested in applying for that fellowship, we do give guidance on our website on how to respond and on the policy analysis piece. So I hope nobody's intimidated by that. We will walk you through that. Likewise, on the future educator fellowship side of things, we have a series of short essays that we ask the applicants to respond to, and there's word limits and things like that. So all those requirements are found online. But on that side of things, we really want to make sure that anybody who applies has a full understanding of what that fellowship is, and that they are committed to going through all the pieces of it, because there's a project for sure, and we do have a lot of didactic sessions. Being mindful that, again, we want to make sure students focus on their education first and foremost, but we want to make sure that anybody who applies really is ready for the opportunity, and we use it to the fullest.
2: That's great. You know, I can speak Personally, I've had students who have participated in those fellowships, and they they are just a tremendous opportunity for students to get involved and to really see, first of all, kind of behind the scenes how PA education functions, what a tight-knit community PA educators really are, and what PAEA does to support educators. And then on the policy side, you know, I think any opportunity we can have to develop advocates for our profession and leaders in our profession, you know, I think any opportunity for students to be able to expand those skills are just are just great opportunities.
0: And I want to put in a plug, Steph. I I know that sometimes PA students can't see themselves being educators quickly. And so they don't necessarily think about it at this stage of their career. But honestly, one of my best educators of all time had only been a PA for two years when she joined the the program. So just some people have a gift to teach. And I think all of us should be thinking about becoming preceptors. So that fellowship can really help you think about things through the, the lens of an educator. But also, like in medicine, it's common for a second-year resident to teach a first-year resident and for a third-year resident to kind of oversee the second and first year. And we don't have that mentality in our profession. I really want to advocate that we change that because a brand-new PA graduate is so much further down the road than a PA student entering their clinical year. Uh, I think those are really important fellowships for the students to apply to. And I hope PAE continues to expand those as the opportunity presents itself.
2: So, Sarah, what else is coming down the pike? What other exciting projects does PAEA have as irons in the fire that we can maybe hope to see coming down the road?
1: Well, we have a couple of exciting things in the hopper currently. I mentioned earlier in the conversation our transition to our new assessment center. And while the platform itself will be one major noticeable difference for programs that use our assessments, I just want to underscore that, again, the opportunity for us to consider a variety of assessments through that platform is one of the things we're most excited about internally. We also are going to begin offering some regional education meetings, and so the concept behind those, they will be in-person events, but really is to be in the backyard, if you will, of our programs. We have programs located all over the country, and so we want to find a way to have more engagement and more opportunities for faculty development, again, closer to home for programs, because not everybody can come to the forum. So we, we want to be mindful of being as inclusive as possible and making sure that we make faculty development as readily available as possible while being cost conscious and also meeting members where they are.
0: I love that because as a new educator 20 years ago, we used to have these regional consortium meetings and there's a great way to kind of cut your teeth on a project that you wanted to present to get it on your resume as you're trying to build up from instructor to assistant professor and so on. So I'm, that's exciting. I'm, I'm glad to hear that.
1: Kevin, I'm glad you mentioned that because one of the goals of those regional education meetings is to help new educators really have an opportunity to present and learn some of the skills behind putting together proposals for the bigger conferences like the forum, hopefully in a less intimidating environment, if you will, smaller, more intimate environment. So that's one of the goals of those meetings.
0: Sarah, the other aspect of this is the journal seems to be changing. I know uh, your journal editor, Dr. Honda, has made some significant changes in the journal. Can you talk a little bit about what the journal's been up to?
1: Oh, yes. The journal has been up to a lot. Dr. Honda has done an exceptional job coming in and really embracing the role. He is focused on increasing the level of rigor because he also wants to increase the visibility of the journal. We are trying to secure an impact factor. So that's one of the things in the works. And the journal also is going to have a dedicated podcast that will launch in August. And so really excited about that. It'll be an opportunity for us to highlight some of the wonderful research going on in PA education, as well as the people who are doing the research. So we're really excited to bring that kind of visibility through that podcast as well.
0: That is awesome. Well, as always, we like to offer our guests an opportunity to share any last thoughts before we close. Do you have any thoughts or things that we haven't had a chance to talk about that you'd like to share before we say goodbye?
1: I guess I'll put one plug in for something I haven't mentioned. With our member community, we want to make sure we know all members. And so if you are a member in a member program, Please log in, fill out your profile, because we are really excited to be able to tailor and customize some of our messaging and resources to our members. And so filling out those profiles does help us to get to know everybody. And so I would just put a plug in for that. And then just to say how excited I am for this opportunity really to be in this role at the organization at this time. A year ago, I was still in the interim role. So it's exciting to think I'm coming to the end of my first year uh, in the permanent role and just grateful to be here. And thank you both for having me.
2: It is a tremendously exciting time to be a part of the PA profession right now. There is just so much change and so much going on with not only our profession, but in healthcare in general and our American landscape. There's a lot going on. Thanks for being with us, Sarah. Thank you.
0: Well, we want to thank our guest, Dr. Sarah Fletcher, for sharing her time and insights into the PA Education Association and some of the key areas they are focusing on this year. Steph and I appreciate their consistent support for applicants, students, and programs. We've seen firsthand how valuable that support can be. And again, we'd like to extend a special thank you to our episode sponsor, U. For more information, visit them online at sentinelu.com. Tune in next time as we continue the conversations with our PA colleagues and leaders around the world.